Good morning, everyone. 大家好，你好，早上好。I'm really excited to be here with you guys today. I've got a joke for everybody. There are two blind pilots that walk into a plane. They've got the glasses on and the walking canes, and they get into the plane, go into the cockpit, close the door. All the passengers see them and get very, very nervous. The plane starts taxiing down the runway, and the passengers get more and more uncomfortable. As the plane picks up speed, it doesn't seem to lift off the ground at all, and the runway seems to get shorter and shorter as they get closer to that fence at the end of the runway. The passengers get more and more nervous, and finally, when it seems like it's the last minute and they're about to hit the fence, all the passengers start screaming at the same time, "Oh, we're gonna die!" And then, the last minute, the plane lifts off the ground and barely misses the fence and goes flying up into the sky. And in the cockpit, the blind co-pilot turns to the blind pilot and he says, "You know, one of these days they're gonna scream too late and we're gonna hit that fence." <laughs> I'm excited to be here with you guys today because here at CCC we're starting a four-week series on the Book of Ephesians. And Dr. Martin Lloyd Jones, the author of God's Ultimate Purpose, writes: If Romans is the gospel in its purest and simplest form, Ephesians is the gospel in its most beautiful and majestic. So we're going to dig into that. Ephesians can kind of be broken up into two halves. The first half. Tells us the story of the gospel, of everything God has done for us, and the second half kind of tells us our story and how we should respond to it, how we should respond to this message or this call. I say call because that's what it is. God calls us to Him, and He calls us to a certain kind of life. So we're going to break that down as we get into Ephesians chapter one this morning, and we're going to do that by looking at three parts. Who's being called here? Who's being called? Who is the caller? Who's saying the message to us? And finally, what's the message? What is the call? So we're going to look at those three things. And to start us off, I have a video for you guys that might show my age a little bit, but that's okay. This is a movie trailer for Who Am I, starring Jackie Chan from 1998. So let's all enjoy this. It's a great movie. Has anybody seen it? You may have seen it. Oh yes. It was. Oh yes. 1998. I love that scene at the end of the trailer and in the movie where he yells out, "Who am I?" And I, I showed you guys this because, as followers of Christ, none of us should have this problem. I don't mean that if you hit your head on a rock and you follow Jesus, you're not going to have amnesia. I mean that if you follow Christ, you should know exactly who you are. You should know what your identity. Is based in. I want you to listen as I read the first two verses here. Listen to what Paul says. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Immediately, Paul tells us who he is based in Christ Jesus by the will of God. We see his identity is rooted in God. We see that his identity isn't rooted in anything else. A little background on Paul to see that he does have other things he could mention. A little background on him. We know that Paul used to be called Saul the persecutor, right? He then became an apostle to the Gentiles after the first twelve disciples. And we also know that he's writing this letter to the church in Ephesus, 
probably from a prison somewhere in Rome. But what does he say at the beginning of the letter? None of that. He says who he is, an apostle of Christ, and why he is that? By the will of God. He knows who he is. And listen to what he says next. To the saints in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. He contrasts where they are with who they are. We're the saints in Beijing. That's where we are. But more importantly, we're the faithful in Christ Jesus. And Paul is reminding them, don't let where you are overshadow who you are. Because Ephesus was an epicenter of religion and culture and business. It could easily overshadow who they were if they let it. And the same goes for us. Know who you are. Know your identity. And we jump ahead to verse 4. We also read that, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world. So we see we're chosen. We are called. And we see this many more times throughout this passage, but we're going to get to that in just a moment. So for right now at the beginning, we see that our identity is in Christ by the will of God. Know who you are. No one who follows Christ should be confused about that. You are called. We are the called. Now this next section, I'm going to read all at once. And I think there's an important reason why you should do that. I don't know if you guys knew this. I didn't know this until I was studying for this message. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 to 14, is the longest sentence in the Bible in Greek. In English, it's broken down into sentences so we can understand it. But in the original Greek, it's the longest sentence anywhere in the entire Bible. I just want you to imagine that. Picture Paul taking a deep breath, about to say everything so important that he can't even pause one time to put a period on the page. So let's, let's take this in. Buckle up. We're going to read, read all of this. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ, in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he's lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. And he made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times will have reached their fulfillment to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ. In him we also were chosen having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having the gospel of your salvation, having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is the deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Whew, that's a lot. And we're going to get into it. Now that brings us to the caller. Who is calling? Who is saying the words that we're hearing? That's important. Because if you don't know anything about the person that's saying the words, or if you have certain ideas in your head already about the person saying the words, it's going to change how you hear the message. It's going to change what value you attach to the message. So who's saying it? Who is the caller? The simple Sunday school answer works here. God. God is the caller. 
God calls us. And we can read this in verses 4 and 11. In verse 4 we read, For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. I would jump ahead to 11. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. God calls us. God chooses us. And because of that, it's important that we know his voice. One example of why it's important to know your father's voice is when I was in high school, I had a crush on this girl. I was about 15 years old. Her name was Sarah. I lived in Beijing. She lived in Thailand. Back then, I don't know about you guys now, but back then we used this ancient form of communication called Skype. So I was on my Skype, and uh, we were chatting. I was chatting with people, and all of a sudden her name pops up. Bling, bling, Sarah. I got all excited. You know, we hadn't been talking in a while. And so I open up the message. It says, hey, how are you doing? I was like, oh, hey, I'm doing good. How about you? And then she said, do you miss me? And I got a little nervous, and I started smiling, but at the same time I was a little scared, and I was like, yeah, I miss you. Do you miss me? And she said, yeah, I miss you too, and I got really happy and excited. And then she typed what every guy wants to hear but is also scared to hear. She said, do you like me? And I got really nervous, and my fingers kind of froze, and I was, I was kind of happy but scared at the same time. And I thought, I can't lie to her, right? She asked me. I've got to tell the truth. So I said, yeah, I like you a lot. Do you like me too? And I got my fingers crossed. I'm on the edge of my seat as her little Skype bubble, you know, is typing back, waiting to see what she says. Finally, the message sends through, yeah, I like you too. <gasps> yes! I'm so excited. You know, I'm enjoying this euphoria. I'm smiling ear to ear. All of a sudden, I hear a little laughter in the stairwell. My brother's voice, not Wesley, but Taylor. Red flag pops up. Something's not right here. I go running down the stairs. I see my dad and my brother sitting at the computer, and he slams the laptop shut. I don't know what's wrong, so I run over and open the laptop, and my dad has changed his screen name to Sarah. So he just got me to profess my love for him. It was so embarrassing at the time. I was so angry. I jumped on him and started wrestling and trying to pin him to the ground. It's very funny to tell you now, but it was not funny at the time. I tell you this for two reasons. Number one, I knew the voice of my father. If I had been on the phone, I would have known it wasn't the girl I thought I was talking to. And the second thing is if you don't know the voice of your father, what I mean by that is if you're not familiarizing yourself with God's voice, with prayer and his word, if you're not walking and talking with Jesus, you're not going to recognize it when he calls you, when he speaks to you. And the opposite can also happen. You can think that something is from God when it's actually not. And you can make that mistake simply because you haven't spent enough time listening to his voice. So God calls us. Know his voice. But don't just know your father's voice. Have a hunger and a desire and a longing to know your God. Because the more that you get to know God, the more wonderful and amazing his message is going to become to you. So God calls us. But there's more. God calls us in Christ Jesus. I can't count the amount of times that phrase appears in this passage. In Christ. I'm going to read to you all the times that I found, and there's probably some I missed. Verses uh, 3, 5, 6, 9, 12, 13. Listen up. 
Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. He predestined, I'm jumping ahead to verse 5, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ. Verse 6, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. Some versions say the beloved. Both of those are referencing Jesus Christ. Jump ahead to verse 9. And he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he purposed in Christ. Verse 12. In order that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. And lastly, verse 13. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in him. That's Christ with a seal, the Holy Spirit. So we are called in Christ, but we're also called to be in Christ. One of the best examples of the power of remaining in Christ is in Matthew, when Peter walks out on the surface of the water to his Lord and Savior. Peter knows the voice of his master. So much so to the point where when Jesus says, do not be afraid, it's I, Peter doesn't just sit back and relax and go, oh, I guess I don't need to be worried. I thought it was a ghost, but it's okay. No, he goes a step further, two steps further. Peter says, if it's you, and I know it is, if it's you, tell me to come out to you. He knows the power and authority of the person saying the words to him. So when Jesus calls him, come to me, he trusts that he can do the impossible through Jesus and in Christ Jesus. So God calls us, in Christ Jesus, and there's one more part to the caller. You've probably guessed it. It's the Holy Spirit. God calls us in Christ Jesus and marks us, seals us with his spirit. We can read this in verses 13 and 14. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. You guys, God marks you. God marks us with a symbol signifying his ownership of us. When we choose God, we belong to him and nobody else. The Holy Spirit is also our guarantee of God's things that he has promised us. And the evidence of the Holy Spirit in your life shouldn't just be internal, it should also be external. What I mean is people should be able to see the mark of the Spirit on you. Somebody should be able to look at you and go, that person, Liam belongs to Jesus. Othniel belongs to Jesus. So God calls us in Christ Jesus and marks us with his Holy Spirit. That's the caller. So now that we know who the caller is, Know the voice of your Father, and also long to know God more than you already do. And finally, it brings us to the call. What is it? What's the message being said here? What is God saying in Ephesians chapter 1 through Paul the Apostle, Paul the Apostle from this prison in Rome? What is he saying? To put it very simply, God's saying everything Everything he's done for us. That's a lot. I'm not kidding. You can go online. You can find hour-long messages 
60-minute messages on the first half of this chapter, or the second half of this chapter. So we're going to focus on the main things here. First, God calls us to be adopted into his family. We're called to be sons and daughters of the Most High Lord, and the only way that we're able to be adopted is through grace in Christ Jesus. We can read this in verses 5, 6, and 7. He predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given to the one he loves. And we skip ahead in verse 7. We also see in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom. Grace. Getting what you don't deserve. Very different from mercy, right? Not getting what you do deserve. An interesting example of this is um, the movie Aliens vs. Predators. Now, spoiler warning, I'm going to tell you the end of the movie. Most of you probably aren't going to watch it unless you're a big horror fan, so that's okay. For those of you who don't know, the Predators are these elite hunting machines. They're also aliens, but they're called the Predators. And the aliens are these big monster aliens, all right? And they battle each other. They fight each other. And humans always end up getting caught in between. In this particular movie, all the people caught in the middle, they die. Except for one woman. She's so tough and she's so fierce, she teams up with one of the predators and helps the predator kill off the last of the aliens. And the aliens are the bad guy in this movie. At the end of the movie, the predator is so impressed with her, he decides he's not going to kill her. And he breaks off one of the aliens' fingers because they have the acidic blood and he marks her with the predator symbol, telling her, you have become one of us. I recognize and respect you as a warrior. You can join us now. <laughs> I hope you guys know you don't have to kill any monsters or aliens to be adopted into God's family. In fact, you guys don't have to do anything. You know, let me rephrase that. You couldn't do anything to be adopted into God's family, either before or after the death and resurrection of Christ. Because before Jesus' death, the price that was supposed to be paid for our sins was too great, too high. There was nothing we could ever do to make a dent in it, right? And after Jesus' death and resurrection, the price that was paid for our sins, Jesus, was so great, there's nothing we could ever do to measure up to it. To put it another way, before Jesus, you couldn't do anything to make yourself right with God. After Jesus, you couldn't do anything to separate yourself from his love and his grace. That brings us to the second part of the call. Redemption through forgiveness. We are called to be adopted into God's family, and he forgives us for anything we've done and everything we're going to do. And when we confess and we ask for forgiveness, God calls us to be redeemed through Jesus Christ. And we can read this in verse 7 also. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. Redemption through his blood, forgiveness through his sins. There are blessings that we receive when we remain in Christ, and these are some of them. Adoption into his family through grace in Jesus. Redemption through the forgiveness of our sins. Now that we've heard the call, now that we know the message, it's time that we respond to it. You need to believe it. You need to believe that the message is true, that what it's saying to you is, is reality. If you've already believed it, 
Then you need to receive the gift that this message is giving to you. And once you've received it, you need to live it. You need to live out the life that this call is leading you to. Believe it. Receive it. And live it. I don't know about you guys. I get stuck on the live it part. I think too many of us embrace the knowledge of our forgiveness in our heads. Maybe we even begin to live it out a little bit in our lives. But then we get sucked back into our old ways. I want to show you guys exactly what I mean. Could my volunteers come up here? I think I have Liam, Bree, and Sarah. In this illustration, I'm going to be playing a sinner who's enslaved to sin. Sarah, you stand over here. Let's see if we can put this on you. Actually, here, come over here. Bree, come on right here. All right, face the audience, Sarah. Let's tape this to your shirt. Okay, you're stressed. That's good. Tape this to your shirt. You're fun, okay? All right. Let's get a little closer to me. Stress, fun, or anything else, you guys, that can distract from the call God has placed on your life. Liam is uh, applying to become an Eagle Scout, so I'm pretty sure he knows any knots better than anybody else in here. So I've asked Liam to tie me up. This rope represents sin and the hold sin has over me. Could you each hold that? Now I think that too often we are living lives enslaved to sin that has already been broken, that we've already been set free from. Liam, would you tie me up? You guys can let go. Pull, pull it tight first. Yeah, pull it tight. Good, good, good. Yeah, now tie a couple square knots or whatever you want to do. Hold up. No, somebody put their finger under there. Hold. Sarah, put your finger on that knot. No, on top of it and press down. There you go. <clears throat> good, good. Yeah, pull your finger out. Tighten it. You want to do another one? Sure. Go ahead. Now, Bree, could we use your hoodie for this? Thank you. All right, Liam, you can have a seat. Thank you so much. Everybody see? He's tied me pretty good. All right. I am us. This is us. We're living enslaved. Would you grab this rope and hold it tight? Bree, would you place the blanket over my hands, the, the hoodie? No, no, no. She's going to hold that rope. Yeah. And just throw that over my hands so they're covered. There you go. And now, hold that tight, pull back a bit. Yeah, hold it tight, there you go. Okay. Now, this is us. We start living a life enslaved to sin that's already been broken. I reach over to this side, trying to control my life, and I just tighten sin's hold on me. I reach over, trying to spend more time over here doing this thing, and I tighten the rope in the other direction. The whole time, God is standing in front of me with his hand out. Jesus is saying, reach out and take my hand. I've paid the price. I've defeated sin. All I have to do is listen and believe it and reach out and take his hand. And then he sets you free. And I'm reminded that these bonds that I'm living under were already broken while I'm looking at him. As soon as I look away, as soon as I get distracted and look back, at the things around me. Just like Peter taking his eyes off of Jesus, looking at the wind and the waves around him, when I get caught back up in the things that I think are important, trying to control my life. Sarah, could you take the blanket off? 
I enslave myself again. And it's like I'm ignoring what God has done for me or I'm forgetting what Jesus died for because I'm willfully putting my hands into shackles that were already broken. Put the blanket back on. So all I have to do is put away the distractions of the world. Believe, receive, and live it with the knowledge of my redemption and my forgiveness, reach out and take his hand. And then his reality I see is my reality. And the bonds that I thought held me, I realize, are actually broken. And you can live the way he made you to live, free in Christ. You guys can have a seat. All right, we're almost done here. Summary time. We are called by God. So know who you are. Know where your identity is based in. Don't be confused about it. You are called, each one of you. And who calls us? God calls us in Christ and seals us with his spirit. So know his voice and also long to know him more than you already do. And finally, the message. You're adopted through grace. You're redeemed and forgiven. So believe it, receive it, and live it. Now I'm going to put it all together. This is really beautiful. We want to end with this. We, the faithful in Christ, are called by God in Christ Jesus and sealed with his spirit to be adopted into his family through grace in Christ Jesus for redemption through the forgiveness of our sins. Let's close in prayer. As the worship team comes on up. Dear Heavenly Father, Thank you for your word. Thank you for the gospel, for your son, for the truth. We love you and we praise you this morning. I thank you for each and every one of us here. I pray that you would help us to recognize your voice and to respond to the call in our lives. Thank you for speaking to us. May you open our hearts and our minds. Help us to believe that what you're saying is true. Help us to receive and help us to live it out. In Jesus' name. Amen.